0: It's that time of year again. The 2022 Combined Federal Campaign hosted its virtual kickoff earlier this week, which means federal employees can now start donating their time and money to causes of their choice. To learn what's in store for this season, I had the chance to speak with Vince McConey. He's the chairperson of the Combined Federal Campaign in the National Capital Area
1: we're very excited about the campaign this year we had our kickoff earlier this week uh with uh, a great response we had a thousand people tune in live and we had watch parties across the ncaa agencies really notable after the kickoff that night, we saw $150,000 in contributions come in. So I'd actually like every day to be a kickoff day uh, for CFC and get that sort of dollars um, in. One notable thing about our kickoff, we also turned it into a volunteer project. Um, We um, had our team that gathered pull together a a bunch of things that could be put together in what we call blessing bags to help folks who are unhoused in the community you know we pull together new socks toothbrushes toothpaste hygienic items toiletries some of the stuff that we may have gotten when we traveled but aren't using but someone could use right now and that's sort of really you know if you ask what what we're looking for this year in the campaign uh, we're looking to really put the spirit of service into CFC and understand how we can be change makers, not just with the contributions we give, but actually doing practical things that helps people um, with their everyday lives here in our community.
0: Yeah, $150,000 after kickoff. Uh, is that par for the course or is that a, a, a large amount that you all aren't used to seeing you know, just right away?
1: It was pretty large amount for one day for us. Um, that is more than we typically see in a one-day period. You know, CFC is, you know, we start a little bit different time every year um, and our, our kickoff events happen at a little bit at a time, so it really takes us till about November to sort out how our dollars are coming in, but it sure was a good way to start and we're very, very optimistic this year uh, for the campaign. You know, that's on top of the dollars. I think there was about 300000 that was contributed in a special solicitation to those impacted by the ukraine war uh, that we held so that's in addition to those contributions that employees have already made this year
0: besides the ukraine and you know as the we're hoping the final days of the pandemic are upon us uh, what are some of the causes that are sort of recent but are still getting a lot of attention from uh, your uh, campaign workers and members
1: well, we're going to be focusing on the impacts of the recent hurricanes in Florida and Puerto Rico. I mean, it, it it we all need to just turn on the TV or talk to our friends and neighbors that live in communities that are affected and understand that the need is great and that it is going to take a while for recovery. And the nonprofit community, uh, in collaboration with FEMA and with state and local governments, have always been critical partners. The great thing about CFC is you can give to a lot of organizations that are going to make a difference in those communities, and those dollars uh, will start um, flowing out um, right when the need is there. So we're going to really be talking about the impacts of, of those Um, natural disasters, as well as what happened in Kentucky um, with the flooding um, a few weeks ago. There's tremendous need uh, that we need to do, and we need to take care of our neighbors um, within our country.
0: With more and more federal employees returning to the office, perhaps, uh, does that maybe change the scope of how you're going to try to reach out to folks who are looking to contribute?
1: I, you know, I, I think at least what I'm seeing is is there are more people returning to the office, but also they like the idea of having hybrid opportunities. Um, and that's really good for CFC. Frankly, you know, now that we're doing virtual kickoffs, we have two or three times the number of people that we had in the spaces that we used to, to use for those events. So we're reaching more people, which is fantastic. I think what we're going to see is, is an interest in employees um, of reconnecting with each other and doing volunteer. Service projects and um, having uh, gatherings where they feel comfortable to make a difference. Um, we're focusing social media uh, with our Change the World Wednesday uh, themes to help people think about what they can do to have an impact on the world. And we're also on Fridays doing Feel Good Fridays with our social media to help people think about how they can take care of themselves and how important that is um, to giving to others. You know, I think some of us have, many of us have been caregivers for others, and you know that you got to take care of yourself yourself before you can do well taking care of others. So we're really having a holistic approach to the campaign uh, of how uh, we can make a difference by, um, in our world by looking at what we can do and how we can get ourselves prepared to make those differences.
0: So you got those themes for every Wednesday and Friday. Are there any other dates to watch coming up this year that uh, you want people to have on their radar?
1: big, big Veterans Day activities that we'll be doing, focusing on charities that serve people who have served our nation. Uh, Giving Tuesday, I mean, that's, Giving Tuesday is a day where we sort of move over the hump for CFC. Uh, we we'll want to talk to you before Giving Tuesday again, because that is so huge for us, the contributions and the volunteerism that we do on those days. So that's really what we're focused on right now. Um, and now that we had our kickoff, there are going to be kickoffs that are going to be happening at agencies uh, across the DMV. So we're also ready to support all of those activities, which is really where, where all the action occurs. Can you just go a little bit into where the CFC stands
0: overall um, over through the years? You guys have been around for a while now and an established uh, campaign that federal workers have used to donate to communities. Um, just give me a, a State of the Union.
1: Well, overall, federal employees have contributed more than $8 billion to CFC since 1961. That is an incredible amount of money because, as I tell folks all the time, um, corporations do employee giving campaigns too, but they typically have matching funds. We don't. So all of that comes out of our pockets 100%. Um, last year, federal employees in the DMV contributed um, more than $37.6 million. This year, we hope to exceed that and get closer to $38 million. Uh, but to give you a sense of that, the average gift was over $1,000. We had 44,000 volunteer hours pledged last year. And we know that's just pledged because we know federal employees are doing community service and volunteerism all over the place. That's just what was pledged. Retirees last year gave one million and we're going to look to them and see if we can grow that. That was actually 33% more last year than we got from retirees ever before. So we, we want to make sure that we provide an opportunity for those people who are retired to contribute. So it, you know, we're, we're building on a good base during the pandemic. We didn't lose ground. We gained ground and we want to continue that now that we are, um, we're, we're beyond the acute effects of, of COVID and our lives are returning. Um, to a a, a greater sense of normality.
0: You've got the ear of our federal audience right now. Uh, Tell us uh, how they can get involved and what you all actually are seeing a bigger need for that may not be being met by the
1: already generous members. So everyone who's listening, very easy. Type in givecfc.org on your browser. You'll get to our webpage. That will explain how you can get involved and how you can give. I would encourage people about thinking about two gifts this year. Think about a recurring gift through payroll deduction. But if you're going to go to a CFC event or you watch the kickoff, think of a special one-time gift that you could give, perhaps to disaster relief and recovery efforts, um, and then give to your favorite charities on an ongoing basis through payroll deduction. Um, There's incredible choice. There are over 5,000 charities. So that's the cool part about CFC. We don't just give money to an entity and they figure out where it goes. You get to be the philanthropist where you decide where your dollars go to the causes you care about, where you know that we will be impacted. And also the great thing about CFC, all those charities are reviewed every year by federal employees to make sure they're legitimate 501c3s and all the information that you need about them to make your choice, all that's been summarized for you so you don't need to fish around and get it everywhere else. So again, give cfc.org so you can be a philanthropist and you can be a change maker. I just want to um, uh, join with you in in, uh, acknowledging Mike Cozzi, uh, such a wonderful person who is a part of your family and part of the federal family. Um, I remember when I started my federal career, um, I read um, uh, Mr. Cozzi's uh, columns, followed him, and uh, he uh, uh, had a special place in our hearts because of the information he shared, not only about CFC, but of course, about his impact on the federal community. So we just join you in in, um, honoring a a wonderful career and a wonderful life. Vince McConey
0: is chairperson of the Combined Federal Campaign in the National Capital Area. Find this interview and a link to get involved with the campaign at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive.
2: Helped you most as you navigated that.
3: Yeah, it's such a, it's an interesting and challenging yeah. sort of situation and question. One, I don't think I still am reflecting on. I've been out of the FBI about six years, and I'm sort of still thinking about it. I think the bottom line was when I was there, and I really grew up there. Um, I didn't, I didn't know any different. I grew up with male cousins and brothers, and you know, it was sort of a continuation of, of my existence. So it did. You know, in retrospect, it was a really unique situation, but it didn't necessarily feel that way for me at the time. I think staying mission-focused, staying not about me, staying flexible in terms of problem-solving all helped me. I will say there's resources today that weren't there when I was there, or certainly when I was starting out. There's a lot of affinity groups for women in national security, women in federal law enforcement, and I will say I think it would have really benefited from access to those kind of resources as I was coming up. Um, I had both incredible mentors, men and women, um, women across the organization who I became very close with who were incredible supports, so not just getting the job and starting out, but sort of matriculating through. But again, I'm really sort of proud of and involved in some of the work of those external organizations that bring women across government, um, executive women in government, and those kind of organizations together, because I think it is really, really helpful um, as one moves through.
2: Yeah, we, we actually work with a, a number of those too and, and go to their events and conferences and support them because it's important. How has your leadership style developed or changed over the years?
3: Well, I think I've gotten a little more confident in it, right? The seeds were there at that dining room table. One thing um, that carried through that I learned from my stepdad was to focus on the process. He would talk at dinner about big ideas or big changes and how to get from here to there was part of his day jobs. And he thought about explicitly was getting other people on board, getting that stakeholder engagement, getting other people to think it was their idea if that was required. And that's something I started out with as a gift, right? That kind of approach. And then I got confidence in that. And then I added things. I will say, as I moved on, my appreciation for Taking care of is maybe the wrong word, but really focusing on the people who work with you and for you in some instances. Um, You know, making sure that they have what they need to be successful in a tactical way. But then also, something I definitely learned at the FBI as I went along is, you know, the importance of creating an environment that is supportive and inspiring. You know, we joke about it, but food has played a pretty serious role um, in my leadership style over time. one thing has always been my approach when starting out as a leader too is to solve near term problems i always say sort of deliver short and then you can push them long right so we we don't always succeed in those long term goals or those you know sort of blue sky ideas as leaders we want to achieve um, but we deliver on those short-term pieces, right? And you get that buy-in from those stakeholders. And then often you can push toward those bigger dreams, hopes, aspirations, and goals. Um, I would like to say I was 100% on both fronts. <laughs> I'm not sure your characterization is 100% accurate there, but I'll take it um, in, this, in this sense.
2: Looking back, what, what's one piece of advice you might have given your younger self when you first started?
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting today, too, working with students, I get that chance, right, to give my essentially my younger self um, advice every day. And one thing we talk a lot about, and I wish I had thought more explicitly about, is really, it's about calibration, right? And so I always think Emeril Lagasse would say, like, a stove has dials for a reason, right? It's not like all hot or all cold. And I think it's the same here. In some ways, in my career, I had to learn to tone it down, right? And to, you know, certainly at the FBI, sometimes you need to Take that back seat at a meeting and wait to be invited to the table. And that's really the appropriate way to build rapport, relationships, and trust. Other times, I needed to learn to tune it up, right? To up the volume a little bit. Um, I had a wonderful boss, Dave Schellendorf, who we were in a meeting together with big bosses at the FBI once, and I was working for Dave. And we left the meeting and we were walking back to the office, and I made a point. I don't even remember what the point was now. And he stopped in the hall and said, Why didn't you say that in the meeting? You're not helping me, right? Telling me this now. Now I have to go back and fix this. And I re- realize. so, well, sometimes you have to tone it down. Sometimes you have to tone it up. And that modulation, that sort of volume control about when to lean in and out, if you will, um, that's, you know, even just thinking about that explicitly for folks starting out, I think is really helpful because it's not one size fits all.
2: Right. I, I totally agree and understand that it isn't one size fits all. And a lot of leadership is